When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. We love our dogs. They love to race. Check out grnz.co.nz for everything New Zealand Greyhounds. This is Dog Speed with Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts on SCNZ. Hello everyone and welcome into Dog Speak this Sunday afternoon. No Mark Brozanowski today, we've had about five scratchings in terms of potential co-host this afternoon, so I am jumping in. This is Liz Whelan on Dog Speed here on ECNZ, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Check out our website, grnz.co.nz. Also check out our other website, lovegreyhounds.org.nz, and you can see a whole range of videos and some of the wonderful characters that make up our industry. One of those videos features our Dog Speed co-host, Dan Roberts, who joins us from the Christchurch studio. Dan, good afternoon to you and welcome into the show again. G'day, Liz. Thanks for filling in today. You're about fifth ballot, I reckon you told me, but you've, you've made it into the field. <laughs> I've even got out of my pyjamas for this one and uh, made the three-minute trek from my apartment <laughs> into the studio. i got some great guests coming up a little bit later on in the show. Sammy Phillips, who has recently been crowned Strike Great Trainer of the Year. She'll be uh, joining us in the first segment and a little bit later on, We'll be catching up with Pukekomi trainer Jeff Farrow and hopefully he can ha- help us out with some winners this afternoon at Monaco. But uh, first of all, Dan, it's been a really good week of racing. Thinking back to last Sunday, we had the running of the Group 2 New Zealand Science Produce Stakes with $20,000. And it was great to see the local thrilling Freddie taking it out for Marie Prangley. Yeah, good on her. Uh, I think that's probably her biggest um, race win in her career so far. It was very impressive, actually. Um, did it quite comfortably in the end. Good run from Ashley Bradshaw's dog, calculated risk in second, and, and a power Conan. So good to see the Southerners get, getting on the board there. But um, yeah, good to see the locals take it take it out. Yeah, it's always a tough one actually because I like seeing the locals win, but at the same time, it's a long trip up some of these trainers made. So it's good to see them get a little bit of the prize money. Um, then on Thursday night, your local track, Dan, two features there. First of all, the seven and a half thousand dollar. Um, Canterbury Laurels, how exciting is this youngster, Power Dragon? She's now nine starts with seven wins. Yeah, she's unbelievable. It's actually, she's, it's scary how good she could potentially go on to be, considering how young she is. She's uh, only coming into a restricted age season now, so um, she's she's got a, a bright, bright future ahead of her. I remember back on Silver Holiday at Monaco, she was in a C1 final over the 527 metres there, and um, I had a shear and a dog in that race. <laughs> he came last. My power dragon went 30-29, and we're like, well, this actually isn't particularly fair. <laughs> like a dog who could go 30-29 uh, with her, win- her winning a race there at Monaco. Um, the other feature there on Thursday night, it was the colourful canvas Garden City Classic. This one closer to home uh, for you, Dan. And the worst part about this, I will say it, Melville Bay took it out. You tipped me this dog on Thursday. I promptly fell asleep, missed the race, but hopefully you've cleaned up on it. <laughs> Well, the good news for you is I also didn't back it, so. Um, <laughs> but I'm making a habit of that. I can tip them, and, and and I don't don't take my own tips, obviously, and and it's proved costly again. Oh, 
no pressure, but we're hoping for some good tips this afternoon. Melville Bale, <laughs> he's he won the New Zealand St. Ledger back in May. Dan, I know Team Roberts, you've got a lot of really good dogs in the kennel at the moment, and I guess he's been o- overshadowed a wee bit by the likes of Talbingo Bale, but he went 29.95, the quickest time of the night, and the, the dogs in behind are really good too. Um, I'd love to see Opaba Superstar back to his best, but he doesn't quite seem to be there at this stage. No, and, and, and I, Superstar did go a good race. Um, I, I think Melville's a little bit underrated. I, I think he's he def- he's obviously one of the best dogs we've got in our kennels. But I, I like you say, he's been living in Talbingo's shadow um, a wee bit. But I, I seriously think he's underrated. He was very impressive um, on Thursday night. Power Superstar, he's not quite at his best, like you say, but I definitely think he's on his way back back to somewhere near his best. So uh, hopefully we, we, he's in today, another Group 2 down at McCargill's. And that's, that's a fantastic field too. We'll be chatting about that a little bit later on. But first of all, here on Dog Swing, we're going to bring in our first guest, Foxton trainer Sammy Phillips joins us on the line this afternoon. Sammy, good afternoon to you and thanks for joining us today on Dog Speed. Afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sammy, I want to take you back to Thursday because you were going into the races at Cambridge. You were just holding on to the strike great trainer premiership over Karen Walsh. Karen had three runners in on the day. How were you feeling during the day and um, I guess as well when you were waiting for that result? Oh, it was probably the most nervous I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> very very um, okay during the morning, but as the races started, um, started to get really nervous because I'm not sure how the UDR points work and um, I'm not sure many other people do and, yeah, I just had no idea what was going to happen in the day because Karen's always got them prepped and ready to go. And they're always just such good class dogs, and you know they're always going to be near the front. And at the end of the day, after race five, I think it was, Karen ended up with a win, a second, and a third. I'm like you. I've got no idea manually how that UDR strike rate works. <laughs> the only person I knew who did was Michael Dawes. So I had him on the phone uh, watching that last race of Karen's, and he was doing the manual calculations. We were both praying that he had it correct. And then I know it was a little bit of a wait for you, waiting to hear uh, the announcement on trackside. How did it feel when it was announced that you'd held on to win? Um, pretty unbelievable. I, <laughs> I still don't know how to take it. I haven't let it sunk in fully yet, but it was really, really exciting to finally hear it. It had been quite a stressful week leading up to it. <laughs> I can imagine. Look, Sammy, you're only 22 years old. You've been training now for about three seasons. Going into the season, you, you really kicked off with an amazing start. You had three three runners for three wins right back at the start of the season. At that stage, did it put into your mind that the strike rate title could be something that you could target? Um, I, my little goal was to just get on the table. Um, at the time, I had two nice little dogs that I actually bought off Karen and they were just amazing. Um, they started my season off really, really well. And um, as the season went on, I sort of thought, oh, I might might have a go at getting onto the table because the strike rate was already up a little bit and then it did start to stress me out later on in the season and Gary just said, just put it out of your mind and just forget about it for now. That, that's fantastic. And all of the hard work has paid off. Um, Sammy, going back to your background, I understand that you were basically born into the industry. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yep. Um, so my granddad, Kevin Hanover, he had dogs. Oh, he's had them for about 30 or 40 years um, on and off. And I always had a greyhound and always took such an interest in the dogs. I just loved them so much and started going to the races with him as a um, little kid. And 
um, just the Easter racing at Hara every year. I was always at those meetings and just really started to get into the racing side of it coming out of high school. Okay, and I understand it was actually through your grandfather that you ended up um, linking up with Gary and Sandra Fredrickson. Yeah, Gary came to Grindad one day and asked um, about the greyhounds and greyhound racing and Grindad said, if you're serious about it, have a chat to Brendan Cole. And so he did and um, Brendan gave him some really good advice and told him everything he needed to do and yeah, started him on his path in the greyhound industry. It's funny how that sort of works in greyhound racing, isn't it? There's always sort of a link between people. And I guess with, with you, Sammy, what some people may not know is you didn't get straight into full-time greyhound racing. What I find really remarkable is when you left school, you actually bought into a business. So very early on, you were owning and operating your own business. How did all of this come about? Yeah, um, during the summer holidays in school, I started at about 16, working part-time just bathing dogs for the local dog groomer at the vets. And when I was finishing high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I just didn't have enough money or knowledge to give Greyhound Racing a go full-time. And she became pregnant right when I finished high school, and she offered to sell me the business. And it was too good of an opportunity to give up at the time, and it's um, really set me up for... Um, greyhound training down the track um, financially wise yeah that's amazing and then earlier this year you, you made the decision to move the Fredericksons property uh, to focus on greyhound racing full-time so you've sold the business what's the move been like how are you enjoying um, working and living here with the Fredericksons oh I'm absolutely loving it Gary and Sandra are so amazing to me they've even given me the opportunity to lease some kennels off them as well as working for them and it's just been such a great opportunity and I'm learning so much um, about all aspects of greyhound racing. That's fantastic. Look, you've ended the season with this phenomenal strike rate and winning record as well. Um, small team of four greyhounds in your kennel and I understand, funnily enough, that Karen Walsh has finished second to you. She's actually had quite a big hand in terms of where you've got to today. Yeah, no, she has. I'm so, so grateful to um, Karen, Sophie, Gary, Linda and Jamie for um, letting me buy some dogs off of them and they've just been absolutely amazing. They are um, always in such pristine condition and they've just got a nice class to them. They're absolutely lovely animals and I can't thank them enough for giving me the chance to train a few of their dogs. Yeah, That's fantastic. And look, Sammy, last month you actually won the July GRNZ Board Award. So this was set up earlier in the year to celebrate the high achievers under the age of 30 in the sport. You won the $500 last month, but because you won the monthly award, you're now in the running to win the $5,000 main award, which will be announced on the 17th of September uh, down at Christchurch. What would that potentially mean to you? Oh, that would um, it would be absolutely amazing to win the award. I know there's a lot of um, very competitive trainers and handlers up for it as well, so it'll be a it'll be a tight run um, with that. But it would be really amazing. I'll just go um, put everything straight back into my little team and I've promised all four of the dogs a cheeseburger or a piece of steak <laughs> which they're definitely going to be getting very soon yeah <laughs> that's fantastic hey Sammy thank you so so much for joining us this afternoon congratulations again and I hope you celebrate the success awesome thanks very much for having me that was Fox and trainer Sammy Phillips. Dan, 22 years of age, and she's taken out the Strike Rate Trainer of the Year Award. It's been an incredible achievement.
Yeah, good on her. She's very well spoken, uh, young Sammy. She's uh, it's a huge feat for someone as, as young as her to, to do that, and and with with only a, a small team of four, um, to have a strike rate as good as that's unbelievable. Beating the likes of Karen Walsh, who, who, who she likes to make it interesting, doesn't it? Always comes down to that last day. It certainly did, and of course you've got to have fifty starts um, to qualify for strike rate trainer. So. Um, back in head office every day, we were sort of looking to see whether or not Sammy had dogs nominated, <laughs> whether or not she was going to make it to 50, but she made it to 50. Um, when I caught up with her yesterday, actually, she said to me in the end she was too scared to nominate late in the season a little bit because, you know, obviously when you've got those lower number of starts, it can um, affect it quite quickly in terms of where your dogs come. But the level of consistency that she's shown is just fantastic. And kudos as well to the Fredericksons. Um, they're I mean, obviously they're wonderful trainers, but also wonderful ambassadors for the sport in terms of helping young people come through as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. I see she's only had 50 starts for the season, so whether she got nervous and didn't want to nominate and, and take it a bit further than 50 or not, who knows? But uh, no, good, well done to Sammy anyway. Wonderful job there by Sammy Phillips. Uh, up next on Dog Speed, we're going to take a short break. Coming up after that, Dan is hopefully going to find us some winners in race three at Invercargill. I believe he's actually got one in the next um, and also we'll take a look at the pick six coming up this afternoon, a Terminator at Monaco. And welcome back to Dogsby. Joined this afternoon by Liz Whelan, fifth emergency and off the ballot today, along with co-host Dan Roberts. Unfortunately, Mark Krasinowski home sick today, but we do have a couple of race commentaries to bring you shortly. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, we also have Pukakoi trainer Jeff Farrell joining us. He's got a number of key runners in this afternoon and what's even better is they're all in the pick six leagues for us so hopefully can help us out there but um, Dan we're just a couple of minutes away from race number three at Invercargill it's the Otago Greyhound Racing Club meeting there some outstanding racing including a $20,000 group to the Colin Kane Memorial but in the next Dan you've actually got one of the favourites uh, tell us about Wandering Star do we just get on here? <laughs> she's uh, she's probably a little bit better than what she's shown so far in her career. And um, to be fair, I actually I've backed her myself today, um, which could be a curse. But I see that she's see drifted. She, is that a I <laughs> was about to say uh, I've put my money on and I've drifted her sixty cents. So thanks very much for that, uh, TAB. But I think Box Eight is uh, going to suit her. She's been racing in the PBD sprints. She's drawn Box Eight about her last four starts, I think. Um, she has had a look on the track, and I do think the 390 will suit her perfectly. So, obviously, the favourite, number two, Mayfield Manu for Richard Breen, is going to be hard to beat. He's bringing some pretty sound form, and he's been spipped from $3 into $2.50 um, on his home track as well. I think he'll be hard to beat, but I, I do think I was a good chance. All right, I'm liking the confidence, confidence, and I'm quite liking the price about your runner as well. Now, up to $4.80, thanks for taking that bet, Dan, and... Um you know, letting it drift a little bit for the punters after you've taken it. Uh, Mayfield Manu just keeps seems to find one better lately. He's been the runner-up in his last three races, but he hasn't been far away at all. And, of course, I guess one thing, Dan, is at Invercargill, it can be a little bit, um, I won't say biased, but it's certainly um, a racetrack where the locals often thrive. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of bend. If you can come off that bend... If you can come out of that bend well and on the rail, you sort of you can put links on the on the dogs outside of you. So, um, like yeah, like you say, locals thrive. They just know their way around the track a lot a lot better. Obviously, I've I've had one start there, which I'm happy enough with. But I see Mayfield Manu's had about eight starts, so he's going to know his way around the track a lot better than, than my 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 runner. All right, well we're just about on start time here. Craig Ray we're doing the commentating. Uh, down south at Invercargill today. It was quite an early start kicking off prior to midday. Um, after this race as well, we'll be previewing some of those features coming up this afternoon. But right now we're going to link in with the commentary for the third at Ascot Park. Who's the favourite? Drawn box two as they're just about ready. 
The lure's rolling here for race number three on the program. And they're racing now. Mayfield Manu, fair to go. Pretty keen began quickly. Wandering Star barrels across out wide. Going with it was Homebush Bentley. Mayfield Manu, third. Southern Hope, fourth. A gap to Let's Go Yo-Yo. Pretty keen. Homebush Opal. And last of all was Homebush Bana. Into the straight. Homebush Bentley's in front. Trying hard. Wandering Star. Mayfield Manu to the outside. Southern Hope. But in front, Homebush Bentley. It hangs on. Homebush Bentley gets the prize. Southern Hope was battling out the minor issue there uh, with also Wandering Star out deeper off the track. I think Let's Go Yo-Yo beat Manu for fourth and fifth. Uh, then Pretty Keen Let's Go Yo-Yo was one of the last with Homebush Bun. Oh, Dan, that was close. So, I'm feeling through, I've got to say. But Homebush Bentley has made a really good beginning there off box seven, um, trained by John McInerney. A good performance there by Homebush Bentley has led throughout. Dan, I was feeling for you with your runner there, Wandering Star, because she's made a good beginning, but the seven's begun faster and she just hasn't been able to quite cross there off the eight. <laughs> No, I'm actually quite happy with that run. Um, I was going to go again when they drifted. Luckily, I didn't. <laughs> That's something. A 7, 8 and 5 provision when under's there in race number 3 in the cargo. The fourth there gets underway at 12.36, and we'll also be bringing you the race commentary uh, from that one. But um, first of all, we do have a bit of time up our sleeves. So, Dan, we're going to take a look at the features coming up this afternoon there. Uh, kicking off with the Group 2 Colin Key Memorial with $20,000. That's race 9 on the program at 228. It's over the 457 metres. And I've got to say, Dan, this is a spectacular field that's lining up. It's a it's a great field, and it's great to see Invercargill uh, put on a race like this. It's good to see some of the locals in there as well. Speedy Sue for Brett Connor and Volcanic Whisper for Johnny Allen. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an unreal field. In terms of um, some of the runners in here, Talbingo Bal, I'm just saying he actually opened at $2.10 this morning. To be honest, that surprises me. Punters did not miss into a dollar eighty now. Comes up with box two. Now, pretty testing conditions when he got beaten last time out by Opawa Wayne. How do you think he'll be going today? Well, we can't knock him at all. He's uh, he's proven that he's a, a champion sort of dog. I just I just don't know about him on the one-turn tracks. I think he's more of a two-track specialist, to be honest with you. Um, he's he's very strong. So if he gets a look at them up the home straight, he he's probably going to run a, run a few of those down. Uh, but I, I I mean to be fair, I'm I'm going to tip Melville Bow. I'm going to be brave and I'm going to tip Melville Bow to beat him. He's paying great money. He's at six dollars and a dollar sixty-five. Why? Why have you gone with him here? I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was unreal, winning on Thursday in a sub thirty, and uh, he's drawn seven. He likes it out wide. He does get off the track a wee bit, and uh, go Johnny go to his immediate inside, who tends to cut pretty hard left straight out of the boxes. So, I thought he was going to get a pretty good run. I thought if he got on the bunny, they would it'd be catch me if you can, but I don't think they'll be able to catch him over four, five, seven. Okay, well, I like that. I like a good each-way price. Uh, rest of the field as well. Um, as you've mentioned, it's, it's terrific. We've got some of the locals. We've also got the likes of Charlotte Lowe, the Group 1 New Zealand Oaks winner. There's Opawa Superstar. We talked about him earlier. Um, love to see him back to his best. And then also Opawa Wayne. Um, I guess to me, Dan, when we talk about Opawa Wayne, similar kind of to Melville Vale, because Opawa Wayne's been in the shadow, I guess, of Opawa Superstar. If, if these dogs hadn't been around for the season, Opawa Wayne and Melville Vale would probably be talking about in contention at any distance ground of the year with what they've done. It's just it's been such a strong season. But um, Opawa Wayne, he's come up with box four, but he's certainly got the potential to be landing on the early pace here. Yeah, he's sort of he's knocked his brother off the top spot uh, in recent weeks, and he's uh, he's he's been racing in spectacular form. Obviously, he beat Tal Bingo last start at Eddington. Um, 
it's sort of going to be a case of who leads wins this race, to be honest, I think. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him win, but like, I'm, I'm going to stick with Melville anyway. Um, but, yeah. For people who might be tuning in for the first time, Dan Roberts has a very good strike rate tipping on the show. Other than the previous came second, though, we'll take that. $6.165 Melville Vale. That's the Group 2 Colin Key Memorial with $20,000 this afternoon at 2.28. Now, the other feature this afternoon is the Dunedin Cup. A little bit unusual because this race is over the 3.90 metres, but that's mainly because of the fact that we've got the Group 2 on the same day over the 4.57 metres. But nonetheless, Dan, another very good field lining up in the $10,000 Dunedin Cup later on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's good to see the locals having a strong hand in there again. And uh, obviously the old man's got, got two in it and he's got the favourite, Corborn Cardi, who's just, he's he's been phenomenal since he's came across to New Zealand from Australia. And wasn't he impressive on Thursday night? Super impressive. Um, Dan, this is, for me, this dog, he's pretty exciting. He's only just turned two. He's broken 17 seconds more than once already at Addington. How good do you think this dog potentially is? Oh, I, uh, I, he's, he's only, I think, I think he's only going to be a sprinter. I think Dad was thinking about stepping him up over 520 potentially, but he's only young, so he's got, he's got a lot of time on his side. He, he's, he could be one of the fastest dogs in the kennels, and, and the way he won on Thursday was just, it was ridiculous, really. The C4 Greyhounds, and he's just put them to the sword the way he did. All right, well, that's uh, one of the runners you guys have got. You've also got Siddiqui Bale. Off box one is one. It's past couple now and does have the advantage of having won recently on the track as well, which might help out. I love this wee dog. She's 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 a, she's a special wee dog, but and I'm I'm upset that I'm tipping against her because I'm, I'm usually <laughs> I usually she's sort of a ride or die ride ride and die with me. Like, but uh, I I just I and as good as she is, I just don't think she'll be able to match Corborn Cardi. All right, Corborn Cardi is currently paying $1.90 on fixed. And, Dan, I think we've also got to talk about Victoria Lou. Tony Hart has some outstanding greyhounds in his kennel. We saw that throughout the season, dominating some of those restricted age races. Um, how do you rate her chances off the seven? I think she'll, I think she's pretty well suited out there. She's got pretty good track stats as well, 11 starts for the six wins and the, and the four minor placings around the track. So she loves it down there. And, uh, I mean, if she could get out and get on the bunny, she's definitely going to be hard to reel in. Dan, do you normally make the trip down to Invercargill, or did you get out of this because uh, you're doing radio, or how does that work? <laughs> yeah, the, the radio gig certainly help, helps me avoid the, the Sunday trips to Invercargill. Um, I always do my best to get out of them if I can, especially <laughs> at this time of year with, in, in the middle of winter. What, what are those trips like? How long does it take to get down there and back? Uh, it's, it's about an eight-hour drive, so you, you, you leave the day before about midday and get down to Matara or, or go all the way to Invercargill. Um, I tend to stay at Matara because the, there's a pub right by the hotel there so you can get a, a good <laughs> feed and have a beer before you go to bed and, and continue the rest of the way in the morning. All right, well, I'm glad you didn't go to Invercargill. I'm glad that you've joined me today on the show. Um, coming up this afternoon, we've got the two Greyhound meetings. So uh, the first at Monaco, as is the case usually on a Sunday afternoon. Um, that one will get underway in about 35 minutes' time. But... I've got the terminating pick six. I love terminating pick sixes. And it kicks off in race seven at 3.34. Everything looks easy on paper, doesn't it? I actually thought it was gettable today. Um, but the more I look at it, the more I'm wondering if I take some multis instead. Uh, leg number one uh, kicks off with race seven. Very good field to start it off. The C2s and threes over the 5.27 metres. Um, 
The other greyhounds, I just wasn't quite sure about the likes of Lethal Angel, I think is super talented, but steps up and trip, bit of a question mark. Serbian and Ace, I'm actually prepared to anchor this greyhound, is paying $3.80, comes up with box 7, has a vacant box to his inside. Um, this is a greyhound, I just love the way that he unwinds and hits the line. He's been doing it in open class fields effectively lately in terms of the quality of dogs that he's been lining up against. This is a big class drop. He should get a fair bit of room to move with the small field and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him finishing over the top of them. He's at $3.80 in the first leg of pick six at race number seven. Uh, second leg, uh, race number eight. Uh, this one's for the C3 sprinters and it gets underway at 3.57. Um, look, my first instinct here was to put Queen Nancy on top. She does usually ping the lids. Very, very occasionally she doesn't, which I think means uh, take some cover. If she isn't winning and she's paying $4.20, I think it's quite a wide-open affair, and the market reflects that as well. So I'd be suggesting to go as wide as you possibly can in the second leg. Of course, we'll be catching up with Jeff Farrell in the next segment. He will be able to give us an insight on Zipping Aubrey, who comes up with box one. Leg number three is race nine, which also kicks off the late quaddy there this afternoon at Monaco. Um, the Farrells, they've got three runners in the event, but I've got to say, I love Sweet Potential, trained by Sean Codlin. 270 this morning I thought was value, she's now up to $2.80 so that shows how much I know, but she's just such an exciting dog. I remember before she even lined up, Sean Codlin said to me, this is um, the quickest dog that he's ever put a collar and lead on, and she's just delivered every time. The odd occasion that she has been beaten, she has certainly had excuses, um, or there was the occasion when O'Palma Dragon came out and ran in that Beauty 29 the C1 final on Silver Holiday, but I think she'll be very, very hard to beat with a clear run in race number nine. A leg four for the open class sprinters. Zoe Star, she's at $7 for Peter Hederich off the one. I think that's really good money. I know that her form on paper looks a wee bit up and down lately, but um, she just needs a clear run early. She can jump well, but she's just encountered a bit of jostling and checking lately. I'd love to see her uh, get clear, and I think she represents the value um, in the race. Uh, Wheels on Fire comes out, which makes things interesting uh, off the three. Otaki Rivers drawn box four. Um, did get beaten last time, surprisingly, but prior to that he was in a real purple patch of form. He still is. Um, always a little bit worried for the dogs drawn outside Otaki River because, of course, he loves to uh, use up a lot of the track. He's at $2.40. He is the one to beat. I uh, rocked it shooting for three wins in a row off the two at $4. And you ready boots at uh, $4.80. Also, I must include $4.8150 off box eight, um, particularly based on that win there two starts ago when actually beating home Otaki River and causing a big upset. Race number 11 is the fifth leg of pick six. This one's a C4 sprint. In terms of this one, I would have thought that at Portland Opal uh, was quite a good chance, paying $7.50 and $2.30. Um, missed last time out, but wouldn't surprise me uh, to see it bounce back to winning form today. And also Zipping Saint, I thought, was representing quite good value, $8 and $2.40. It's probably a race where you can make a case for a number of these greyhounds. You probably want to go about as wide as you possibly can here. And uh, finishing off the day, if you're prepared to go and anchor, Mint As is paying $1.40, clearly the one to beat and the last on the program, if you're looking for a wee bit of cover, Major Margaret, one of these greyhounds who wins when I uh, don't back them. I don't think I've ever had a winning bet on this dog, but she's at $6.50. I feel like I need to include her based on that today, and she will round out pick six this afternoon at Monaco. Race number one gets underway in about 31 minutes' time, and race seven to kick off the Terminator. Time to go at 3.34. Up next year on Dog Speed, we're going to take a short break on the other side. 
Now we'll take in a race number four from Invercargill, and after that we'll be catching up with Hukukawi trainer Jeff Farrell. Welcome back into Dog Speed, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Check out our website, grnz.co.nz, and also love greyhounds.org.nz. Right now we're not too far away from the fourth at Invercargill on a big day of racing there this afternoon. And Dan, we've got quite a short-priced favourite here in the next with Claws and Rambo off the one at $1.90. Hunters certainly haven't missed him. He opened up at $3, so he's into $1.90 now. I was just going to say, I quite like the place money around the two-dog smokescreen for John Allen. It brings some pretty sound form, and uh, I was, I was going to tip it at $1.90, and I've, I've jumped on to place at $1.90, and now I see it's drifted out to two ten. so uh, that's what the TAB think of me today. But um, I thought $1.90 was good place money, so two tens even better. All right, $2.10, good place money there. That's who Dan Roberts likes in the next clause. And Rambo, the $1.90 fixed on's favourite after opening at $3. Uh, they'll be boxing away for race number four at Invercargill. Let's slink in with our caller, Craig Grail. For 457, first of our 457 metres uh, races today. Of course, we've got the distance race today as well. Uh, so uh, plenty of great racing still to follow here for the Otago Greyhound Club at Invercargill. Set the run. Racing and Claws and Rambo began fast. Snipper Jewel flew out out wide. Palissa Vale began well. Showing speed was Kip Joe Frank just behind them. Wider out Whimsical Boy towards the tail smoke screen and Terry's Terror. Uh, getting into trouble out the back was Frank, but going into the lead was Claws and Rambo. Leads clearly. Palissa Vale's the chaser. They're well clear of Snipper Jewel, but it's Claws and Rambo in front. No danger of defeat. And Claws and Rambo getting tired, but gets the prize from Palissa Vale, who was game. Snipper Jewel's run third and smoke screen fourth then came Terry's terror whimsical boy Frank towards the tail and Kip Joe got into trouble out of the back straight favorite the has been end. too good there in a race number four at Invercargill so, uh, calls and Rambo going all the way for Matt Roberts with three Palisa Bale uh, leading the trace there in second and eight snippet jewel in third um Dan I've got to say smokescreen pretty unlucky he made up some good ground there after getting back early <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, fourth, <laughs> f f unfortunately, fourth isn't in the top three, so we've missed again. I'm going to have to stop tipping today, I think, and probably stop punting as well. But uh, Matt's got one over the old man there, so I'm sure he'll be bragging about that. I'm the opposite of you. I think when I miss, it just makes me think I've got to go harder in the next race. You can't finish on a loss. So, you know, you could either put the cue in the rack or you can just, you know, try harder. I don't know. One of those. Go bigger. <laughs> the more you put on, the exactly. more you get back, right? I'm literally a problem, like one of the posted girls for problem gambling, I think. I don't know if you remember those ads they used to have, but they go, I've got to double my bet. And like, that's me. It's logical because then you'll get your money back. Anyway. Yep. That's exactly. Just go go big or go home. <laughs> <laughs> the cube All right, is I never in the rat. Exactly. Coming up next year on Dog Speed, we're about to catch up with Pukakoi trainer Jeff Farrell, one of the great characters in the sport. Jeff, good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us on Dog Speed today. Yeah, how you going, Liz? Uh, Liz? Very well, thanks, Jeff. Hey, you there on track this afternoon at Monaco? What's the vibe like? No, I'm not actually. Um, I've got to stay home and do the rest of the work at home. But um, we're, we're not far from the track, as you know. And um, yeah, the weather's not too good here at the moment. I did. I haven't seen any shots yet, but I, I did hear the weather's not too good. Uh, hopefully, your dogs can get through. Um, some testing conditions. We're going to run through your runners, kicking off with race seven, number two, Opawa Arlo. Jeff, he comes off a win last start here a week ago, but he does step up in grain today. How do you think he's going to go? Yeah, like he's improving all the time um, since we've had him. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a big step up for him. He's sort of really gone 
from um, class one to two, and then he's up against the sort of the three dogs. Um, so yeah, it's a big step up for him. But but he's, he tries hard. He's quite honest, um, and I think the you know the best is yet to come of him anyway. All right, uh, he's paying six dollars and a dollar ninety on fixed at the moment here in race seven. Uh, race eight, Jeff, you've got Zipping Aubrey jumping off box one. It's quite a strong C3 sprint race. Uh, what do you make of this runner's chances? Yeah, look, he's, <laughs> he, he really hasn't been racing uh, with a lot of luck from time to time. Um, he, I th- personally think he'd better off drawing out sort of six, seven and eight. Um, I don't really think the inside draw is going to suit him. But um, on his day, he's certainly got some speed. But, uh, yeah, probably better drawn outside. Okay, and uh, race number nine, you've got a few runners here. Um, Jeff, first of all, Opama Kirk, one of my personal favourites. He comes up with box one. Can we see him back in winning form this afternoon? Oh, look, he, he's another one, Liz, that um, really hasn't had a lot of luck in his races. Um, he, he's a, a very good dog, uh, believe me. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's drawn well. Um, and he's very strong. Um, although it's a small field, there's one or two that go pretty good in there. Yeah, it is a pretty good field. Um, Opaba Kirk, I see, is 5 into $4, so he's been one of the shorteners in the event. Drawn to his outside um, is Opaba Alban in box two. Jeffy's been going some pretty good races lately today, and he's one of the favourites there in race nine. Yeah, again, um, an, another really strong dog over the 527. Uh, he's drawn well um, also from, from the two. Um, the only thing that worries me is that uh, Murphy's Law, when you get two drawn beside each other from the same kennel, they either um, go really well or they clean each other out. So um, these, two, these two are both railers. So, uh, yeah, yeah, hold your breath on the first corner. Well, hopefully they both go really well for you. And if they don't, you've got a, you've got a backup chance in the race. You've got Opama Slick lining up off box five, paying five fifty and $1.55. Um, how do you think Slick's going to go? Does have the vacant box to its outside? Well, yeah, he, he's in a pretty good uh, vein of form at the moment. Um, he's been leaving the boxes very well and leading up. And, and again, he's he's reasonably strong over the 500. He's getting on a bit now, though. He's he's going to be five in November, but he, he doesn't know that. So, uh, yeah, no, he's going well. I don't think he's as strong as the other two now, but... Um, you know, if he got away on a mountain front, it, it could be interesting. Uh, I do think, though, the eight dog, very nice little dog. Um, if she can cross him, then, you know, we're, we're going to have trouble getting to her. But, uh, yeah, my, my three are, are really quite strong, so she'd, she'd want to put a margin on him. Fingers crossed you get a bit of, bit of luck there uh, with your three runners in race nine. And then finally race 11, you've got Zipping Saint has come up with box five in a C4 sprint race. Jeff, I thought um, Zipping Saint was a really good chance today, and I like the price, eight dollars as well. Yeah, she's. Um, <laughs> I, I know it sounds like I'm repeating myself, but she hasn't had uh, much luck lately either. But uh, yeah, she she's got some quite brilliant early speed if she gets out of the boxes, which she could do. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, although it doesn't look like it on paper with the form, she's she's not as bad as what that form looks. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be keeping her safe. Jeff, Dan Roberts here, mate. Now, I've heard a wee rumour that you're going to be on the cover of the Woman's Day. Did they do your hair and makeup for the photo shoot? <laughs> we ran out of time, mate. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the, the girl that came and did the makeup, she didn't actually have quite enough to to do me. So no, <laughs> unfortunately, mate, I'm uh, I'm not going to be there because. Uh, you know, not really the superstar like the others, but um, yeah, no, the girls and uh, and some of the dogs were 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 um, interviewed and photos taken. Yeah, it was a great day actually. It was yeah, really good. Jeff, I'm looking forward to seeing that article. I spoke to your daughter Shelley afterwards, and she was off to get her passport photo taken after having had um, the hair and makeup done on Friday morning. Um, just on a personal note for you, what's it like having that family involvement in the sport? Obviously, with your family and now Rianne coming through as well, just 13 years old, um, doing a great job there at the track too. Yeah, it can be a bit of a challenge at times because, uh, you know, you get, you get three or four different ideas. Um, and I keep telling them, you know, I'm the alpha male, so they should really be listening to me. But of course, I bet that goes down well. You know, the, <laughs> I'm the silverback, but no, they don't uh, they don't take too much notice of me now. But uh, yeah, no, they, they love it, and um, you know they all do a good job. Um, and yeah, we're pretty, you know, I'm pretty lucky to have um, you know the family around like that that are all all into it and all do a good job. That's fantastic. Hey Jeff, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon on Dog Speed. Lots of good luck uh, with your runners today, and looking forward to seeing you close up, or the rest of your family's close up in Women's Day in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Okay, good. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, that was Pukakoi trainer Jeff Farrell. Um, Dan, I actually think this is going to be pretty cool, the Women's Day shoot, um, focusing on the three generations of people involved in greyhound racing there in the Farrell family. So they went over and they spent three or four hours at the property on, on Friday morning. So it's going to be great to have that positive publicity as well for the greyhound racing industry. The Farrells do a great job. Yeah, definitely positivity is always good. And in the mainstream media, I can't say I read the Woman's Day, but I might have to might have, to have a look at this one and, and read the article. Yeah, it should be a bit of fun. I think they did the uh, shoot for the dogs there at the Farrell's property, so looking forward to that one coming out. Uh, up next here on Dog Speed, we're going to take a short break. And on the other side, we're going to have a bit of a preliminary discussion about our upcoming awards night on the 17th of September in Christchurch. And we have two terrific Greyhound race meetings this afternoon. You can catch the full action on TAB track sign, check out our website grnz.co.nz for full field and forms. I've got to say, and this isn't even me being biased, I do love the form guides provided on the GRNZ website. You can find them on the home page. Michael Daw does a spectacular job in terms of putting these together. You can, um, he's put a key together as well, a click ref, a click, quick reference, getting to the end of the show here. <laughs> you can uh, check out the fields, um, see very easily whether or not the dogs were checked in their last runs, how badly checked they were, if they like to rail, if they like to go wide. So um, some very good form guides there. Um, before we come to a close the end of the show, Dan, I don't want to touch on our awards night coming up on the 17th of September. Things are a little bit different this year because the awards panel is actually going to make the decision um, on the finalists for the Greyhound categories, so we're talking sprinter, middle distance, distance and New Zealand bred Greyhound of the Year, they'll decide the finalists and also the winners of the categories, which is a move from the previous system where it's based on points. Personally, I like this because it means that there won't be any anomalies. Have you got any thoughts on the change of system? Yeah, no, I think it's good actually. Um, the points thing was just a wee bit boring really, wasn't it? There was sort of no excitement um, as to who's going to take it take it out because you, you you know who's on top and who's got the most points. So I think it's a good way of doing it and, and it makes it a bit more exciting. I agree with you and particularly this year as well because middle distance of the year, I know we've touched on it during the show already, but 
this is a great battle. Tell Bingo Bale versus Opawa Superstar. I'm very relieved that I'm not involved with the panel this year because I've genuinely got no idea which way I would go. Um, Dan, obviously, you know, you've got the family involvement with Tell Bingo Bale, but what are your thoughts on this category? It's a tough one. It's definitely a tough one. One thing I don't like, unfortunately, it is what it is. I, I don't like comparing a restricted age dog with a dog that's past his restricted age season. I think it, it makes it a, a little bit harder in the sense that, you know, Tell Bingo, for example, is not eligible for a lot of the races that Superstar won. But um, it could definitely go either way. I'm sort of leaning towards Superstar a bit more than Tell Bingo. But uh, obviously, I'd like to see Tell Bingo win it. That's a really interesting point that you make and probably hasn't really been considered before at all, to be honest. The restricted age greyhound versus, you know, the seasoned greyhound because obviously those restricted age dogs, they've got access to more special group races. You know, you've got the Derby, the Oaks, um, the futurity races like that. Um, Is that something that you think maybe could be considered in future years? Could there be a restricted age category and a regular dog category? Should should these younger dogs maybe be recognised as well come the end of awards season? Well, you work at GRNZ, Liz, it just comes down to how many awards <laughs> you guys want to give out. But um, it could be something to potentially look at. Um, but, I, I mean, it is it is what it is at the end of the day. I think I think we might be having about 15 awards somewhere around that mark this year. We want to keep the keep the night moving along, keep people having fun there. So um, tickets are available as well, by the way. You can get in touch with our office and buy them. $85 early bird tickets. That's pretty cheap considering what's included, I've got to say. Um, one of the new awards that we do have this year, and this was the brainchild of Sarah Causen, actually, is the GRNZ Board Award to celebrate people under the age of 30. So we've had monthly winners from February. Um, contenders so far, we've got Maddie Hamilton, Ella Cole, Riley Evans, Corey Steele, Rian Farrell, and Sammy Phillips. So, um, Dan, I've got to say... <laughs> We've got some terrific young talent coming through, and I think this is going to be one of the really difficult awards for the panel to try and decide a winner for. Yeah, probably another panel that, uh, well, I'm happy I don't have to choose. It's a good lineup of, uh, <laughs> of young people in the industry. Um, to be fair, I, I was going to say earlier, I think Sam Phillips might have moved into favourite after taking out the, the, the strike rate trainer. Um, but yeah, this, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, why not? They got markets on just about everything else. We might as well have a crack. <laughs> but um, um, no, yeah, it's, it's a really good lineup of young people within the industry, and I think it's a, a good incentive as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying. I've got. I've got to say, I've been enjoying the nominations coming through every month, and um, it's great to see people getting involved with nominating other people. Um, just before we wrap as well, Dan, I want to touch on the national series coming up. So, for people who don't know about the nationals. Um, it's a coordinated series around Australasia. They hold heats all on the same night in all of the states in New Zealand on Thursday the 11th of August, middle distance and distance races, and the winner of each of those heats qualifies for the big final, $75,000 to the winner for each of the races at Wentworth Park on Saturday the 27th of August. Dan, it's a great initiative. Um, any potential contenders from, from the Roberts Kennels for this race? Yeah, to be fair, we've probably got a handful um, that will nominate. It's an interesting race because you, you nominate your sort of half chances for the for the New Zealand Cup, but this is a bit different because you only want your best chance in there because you don't want to have to go to Aussie with, with you know, just, just sort of a, a hopeful chance. You want to take something that you think is going to compete. So uh, I, I think it's a great a great initiative as well, and um, it's it's awesome. Obviously, we haven't been able to do it for the last couple of years due to COVID, so it's great that we can uh, 
get back into it and, and hopefully send a couple of dogs over from New Zealand uh, to, to race and compete over there. I understand that you went on the Perth trip a few years ago for the Nationals final there. What was that like? Yeah, that was unreal. I didn't realise Perth got so cold, to be honest with you. I th- thought it was quite a warm place, but I was quickly <laughs> quickly told a lie there, and it was very cold. But no, it was re- re- real exciting, and, and I loved it over there. And obviously, Dave running third was, was huge. Outstanding. We're looking forward to those heats coming up in a couple of weeks. Dan, thanks so much for joining me today. Not leaving me by myself. Great to have you on Dog Speed as usual. And as will be the case every week with you co-hosting, Dan. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, that was at Dog Speed. Looking forward to catching you again next week where it will probably be Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts back in the studio. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.